Welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast, where we mix business, law of attraction, spirituality, and well-being with great guests and phenomenal stories. You'll hear hints, tips, and up-to-the-minute information on digital communication from an expert in her field. Pearl has some wonderful individuals in her networks, and she will be interviewing them all at some point in the future. Enjoy your listening. Well, hello and welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. All this month, I am celebrating fantastically gifted ladies that I want to really stand out and promote for International Women's Day and through the, throughout the month of March. And today is my pleasure to be interviewing a lovely lady I've just met and she's so inspirational. Today, I am speaking to Deborah Levine. Welcome, Deborah. It's so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Pearl. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. I've been so looking forward to this. I mean, looking at your profile and what I'm going to do, I'm going to read out to the listeners everything that you have achieved from your profile, just literally taking it from your LinkedIn profile. And if we <laughs> listen to all this, you're a Forbes D&I trailblazer award-winning author of 15 books, American Diversity Report founder, stroke editor, speaker, coach, diversity futurist with a smile, STEM woman and thought leader. Now that is just phenomenal. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, I have been busy. Yes. <laughs> and what do they say? They always say, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Because it's so much easier when you're doing lots of things and juggling lots of balls in the air. You can always add another one and get things done. That's the way I see it. Well, you know, um, I have I've been very fortunate in the kinds of things that have come my way, the things I've been asked to do, the things that then have prompted me to do. It's been quite a journey. Well, this is brilliant. And this actually leads me to my first question. Can you describe that journey for the listeners as to sort of how your career path took and maybe sort of the, the ways why it went in a certain direction, please? I looked at that question and I pondered it for a while. And then I came up with one word, multidimensional. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> One of the things that, that I've had to do in my life, uh, often for um, because I've, we've moved around or for health reasons, is to reinvent myself. Right? So, and each time I reinvented myself, I had a different set of limitations and opportunities. And so you look at my journey and it's as if it's multiple lifetimes. Yeah. Right? There was, there was a time when I was a dancer and a dance historian. And I had my own dance, Baroque dance uh, uh, troupe. I taught dance in a studio I owned and specialized in teaching deaf children. <clears throat> then I became a uh, urban planner. Right. And I, w I got my degree 
<clears throat> should have a glass of water. Sorry. <laughs> At any rate, <clears throat> want to get a glass of water? I can I can pause if you want to go get a glass of water. I'll be right back. Okay. So the urban planner in me, right? I got my degree, master's degree, and I designed it specifically for arts and culture, the dancer in me. Right? And I became someone who looked at how you can put arts and culture together to create uh, economic improvement in places. I also became the, the development director for <laughs> a ballet company uh, because I wanted to help artists and dancers and helping people became so much a part of what I do, yeah. always. And one of the things that I had studied, right, was cultural anthropology and storytelling. So I help people, right, with their stories and writing. Wonderful. And writing, <laughs> always. Everybody out there, understand, document all the wonderful things you do in writing. Because someday you'll write a book, or maybe the 15 that I did. <laughs> so it all blends together and nothing goes to waste. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is wonderful. And where you actually said about writing, I yeah. think that is such a wonderful thing to do because you don't know when you're going to need to revisit that where there's a lesson that you learn that maybe you need to learn again and I find now with current um, devices sometimes if I don't have time to actually type it or write it freehand I get a memo out and I will jot down and I will sort of speak to myself so I know I can come back to so it. So you can do it yes so I have a, a, a photograph of me uh, almost in diapers with a pad of paper and a number two pencil writing and grinning into the camera <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, since day one. And the the beauty of it is that every time uh, I had to reinvent myself, I had to rethink through the past and write it down. And the, the books that I write are often how-to and deal with cultural diversity, and we can talk about that in a minute. But there are two books that are memoirs. And they're very personal. They were the hardest ones to write. But they're just so transformational in the process, as well as for other people to see. Because what I've done is not just my history, but family's history, yeah. world history, pull it all together. That's what I do. I pull it all together. The diversity of trends and, and places that I've seen and been. How do you weave that together? It's not simple, but oh, it is truly art. Yes. Oh, that is wonderful. I'm just loving the way you're describing it. I'm already interested and thinking, yes, I want to know more because there is so much that people can learn from doing that. Oh, absolutely. And I do coach people now in writing their memoirs, their stories, mm -hmm. and making it 
not just to, to brand themselves, which I often do for entrepreneurs, but also as, as a transformational process where so many times people, especially women, right, underestimate the importance of some of the things that they've done or yes. seen and have said. Right? And then they tell me about it. They said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Write that down. Because it is something that people can learn from. And you made a difference. Then they tell me, oh, well, it's just a small difference. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't go there. And it's amazing how common that kind of mindset is, even among women who are very well-educated and have tremendous amount of experience on the job. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that really resonates. I mean, when I had my children, I had a 10-year gap where if I was looking at my CV to actually share and everything and say, this is what my experience is, I had this 10-year gap. And I thought, well, I didn't do anything. And then I looked and I thought, yes, I did. I retrained. I did my degree as a mature student. I set up my first company and I got a divorce all in those 10 years. So there was lots of things that said, and you have so many kids. skills. <laughs> yes. And yes. When, but so many people don't realise that. They think, oh, what did I do? I didn't do anything. And then you break it down. And all those special things that you've done, when we say to mothers, when they bring children up, they multitask. They've done so many different things. They project manage. They actually keep a budget. They make sure that everything's time managed. And it's things like that that people don't realise. These are all fantastic skill sets that they have and they don't realise. They do not. They do not. And and this is a, a situation where you're, you're really just doing what you have to do yeah. right? and taking whatever opportunities are there. But you know that it's not where you want to end up. Mm. So the transitions, though, are, are part of the story. Now, I will say that one of the things that has influenced me was... Um, uh, my my father, who did not underestimate what he, well, I, maybe he did underestimate what he had done, but he was certainly determined to be silent about it during the war, World War II. He was a United States military intelligence officer assigned to interrogate Nazi prisoners of war. Right. And sent overseas, he he had just gotten married. He he, he 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 had a son on the way, and he was shipped overseas. And this is what he did. He was a literary gentleman, and so he wrote everything down in letters to my mother. And he was also an archivist. He kept everything. That's why I'm telling people don't throw stuff out, right? So he kept everything, but he didn't tell us that in the file cabin in his closet were all these World War II records, papers, letters, until one day I told him that I had decided to take a position. I worked for a Jewish Federation. These are Jewish agencies. Take it uh, the position 
in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, shortly after a domestic terrorism event, the bombing in Oklahoma City. I wanted to see for myself what was going on. Yeah. And it, he was a bit hesitant about my doing this. And so I did. And uh, they made me the community relations director because I had already had a tremendous amount of experience dealing with the media, with community organizations, putting on conferences. Uh, I, I was a um, community organizer on steroids, really. And uh, so uh, off I went and I was assigned to assist Holocaust survivors to talk to the media about their stories. And I called my dad and I said, you know, they, they, the women in particular, they've never said anything, not even to their own families, about what they saw, what they experienced. Can you believe that? So daddy says to me, yes, of course I can believe it. I haven't told you anything, have I? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> he gets on a plane, comes visit. I set up a, a radio interview with him yeah. and learned just who my dad was. That, that his silence had kind of been a, a curtain that, that, that kept us from knowing him so well. Yeah. And then he told me about the letters and I felt it was my responsibility to put those letters into my memoirs. So I blended everything and how it affected me yeah. and my career dealing with diversity and prejudice and communities at risk. And my first efforts were terrible. <laughs> it was just so emotional, you know, yeah. just too close. Yeah. Daddy, who was perfectionist, he said, well, you're coming along, dear. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> it took me almost 20 years to publish that, but it only took me another year to publish the next memoir, which was more about my mother and the women in the family. Yeah. And somehow it just took one year. Yeah. And it was called The Magic Marble Tree. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was then that I decided to go back through the letters and find my mother's letters. One of the interesting things she said to me, she said, you know, if I'm in a room with your dad and we're meeting people, they all talk to him and they don't seem to even see me. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I realized when I was reading her papers, hey, what? The woman was a pioneer in special education. In the 40s, she published. She, she did everything. She had earned much more of a reputation than she had. And everybody loved her, don't get me wrong. But did they really understand the incredible power of this soft-spoken, sweet woman who, like me, had been brought up in the small island of Bermuda, 
ended up at Radcliffe Harvard and made a difference in so many people's lives and was totally unknown. Well, I wasn't going to settle for that. (laughs) (laughs) No. So I put her papers into the magic marble tree about her work with special education. And some of the beautiful photographs of her beautiful smile and her letters, her love letters to dad during the war that kept him going. She called him cute names that no one, none of us would ever have dared to. (laughs) And he did the same. There was a beautiful window into that love. Yes. And I received that without even knowing it. Yeah. It didn't matter that daddy, for some reason in the letters called her, pie face apparently that was (laughs) and she called him honey boy you know the military intelligence officer honey boy really (laughs) so when I go out and I speak about my past and about what has given me the skills people skills of my mom the organizational perfectionist of my dad and then I tell them I read them these stories I tell them what was in the letters um they just you could feel the warmth just rising from the audience you know the, mm-hmm, oh. <laughs> but also the sense of being linked to history yeah what we do today and being inspired by people around us to do it, that we are not alone, that we actually carry legacies, responsibilities that we may not have completely articulated before. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this is absolutely wonderful. It's like you say, when, when people learn about history, it's almost like they see a timeline and they can just hook certain things to a timeline. You put a voice to what actually happened behind that timeline. So it makes it real so people can actually understand it and live it through their imagination so they can really be aware of what happened. Exactly. That's exactly what I like to do so that they can see it through their own eyes, what I saw. And for some reason, the good Lord had decided to put me in places where, you know, major things were going on. And I, you know, my my brother used to call me the most oblivious person on the planet, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm here, what? (laughs) But I was there when... Harvard and Radcliffe merged before they even had ladies rooms in the main library. Right. And I have a great story about what happened with that. And, and he, the good Lord gave me as my freshman roommate, the daughter of a Senator who was soon 
to run for president of the United States. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> what? It's just what? And then and going to Tulsa, and uh, being trained by the FBI in security against white supremacist violence. Yeah. You know, this sort of sweet voice lady, you know, being trained by the FBI. People go, what? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I pretty much felt the same way. But that's how it, how it happens. Coming here to the southeast of, of America, Chattanooga, where I was the Federation director for the Jewish community, and my job was in part to build a new cultural center. I had the urban planning degree. I also had a master's degree in Jewish studies and another degree in arts administration. I love education, it never ends, right? So I put them all together to design that Jewish center. It has a gallery, it has this, that, and the other. And um, every time I drive by, right, I go, hi, <laughs> remember me? <laughs> because it's just a joy to leave something behind that other people use, feel is precious, is a treasure for the community. Um, wow. Oh, just, you are truly, truly inspirational. I am getting goosebumps just listening <laughs> to everything. It's just, it is, and it's, we say, I mean, I know like it's, we're doing these interviews because it's International Women's Day. But just imagine, even if it's a young girl that's just starting, doesn't know what they, what they want to do for their options, what exams they want to study, just listening to your story, they can't be anything but inspired to see where they can go and what they can do. And it's almost, if, if people can look up to the work that we've done, what we've achieved, and show that, yes, you can achieve something. Because quite often, it's, it's not very long ago that it was always male dominated in most of the higher roles and you had to be 10 times better than the man at the same role for it to actually show. And yet there's you and I that have been across. I mean, I do the technology piece. I will go in to an IT department and they take one look at me. I'm only five foot two, so I'm quite short. All right, I need to redo me hair because of lockdown. And normally I'm very blonde. And I go in and they think, oh, it's this ditzy woman. And they start talking web design, tech, security. And I know exactly what they're talking about. And I wipe the floor in the boardroom because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm naughty because I quite enjoy that. But it's, it's <laughs> showing people that you can. When they come in, sometimes that perception that someone has of you if they get it wrong, big mistake for them, but really great for us because we can sit there quietly and listen. And when they suddenly ask us for our response, silence falls and we can show everyone. <laughs> oh, you do amuse me. <laughs> I will share with you that um, 
when I was about uh, 16 years old, back in the 60s, uh, it was the first time that computer programming, matrix algebra, was offered in the high school, and this was in New York. And uh, my mother said to me, uh, you need to, t you have to take this elective course. And I said, no, because I'm going to be a poet and a philosopher. And she says, this is not a suggestion. Okay, so <laughs> I, I signed up for it. And the, the, the interesting thing is, yes, oblivious. I, I was also in advanced math and science, but I had this, you know, poet's mindset. And uh, I kept going. And um, after I graduated high school and went to college, I, I majored in cultural anthropology, which just was wonderful, and folklore. Okay? So I get out. When I then started my, uh, my master's degree in urban planning, uh, by that time, uh, there was a computer class that was pretty much required, statistics and that and the other. And uh, so I took that and then I took a hiatus of some years when I had my baby and went back to uh, study, finish the degree. By that time, computers were even more important. And uh, so I, but it had been a long time. And I'm sitting in uh, the beginner's class for computer computers and the faculty person at the college comes to uh, arrives at the door and he says Levine I said yes he says what are you doing in this class uh learning computers he says and this is where mentorship comes in he says you don't belong here in the beginner's class get your butt out of that chair and come with me Okay, so they dropped me in the advanced computer class, and I was like terrified. What do I know? Why am I here? But I didn't have much choice, right? And you rise to the occasion, and I did fine. Yeah. And I graduated, did all the things. When I started working for the American Jewish Committee, this, this is, right, I wanted to, to um really be the coordinator of their um, community and political stuff. Uh, but the guy sat me down and he says, um, we're going to make you director of interreligious affairs. I, I, why me? Right. He said, well, because you grew up as the only Jewish little girl in Bermuda and you're used to representing. I said, this is a long time ago. And he said, you went over to Harvard Divinity School and studied there while you were taking classes, you know, I said, yeah, but I was very young and I didn't realize that I actually wasn't allowed at that age to be there. I said, we don't care. You're it. Okay. And then, by the way, you're also going to be the IT manager for the whole office. I said, excuse me? <laughs> Why? Why me? It's a question a lot of us ask ourselves, why me? He said, well, because you've taken courses in the computer, you studied it, and not one of us in the entire office has ever worked on a computer before. So you're it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could have walked away. No. Grab the opportunity, even though you go home, and you hide under the covers. 
<laughs> He'll come out. Yeah. Oh. So what it's like being the female IT manager of an office in the 1980s. Oh, wow. You are my <laughs> hero. You are my hero. <laughs> I mean, Anyone that listens to me, I have a favourite word, and the word is synchronicity. And literally listening to your story, I can see why we have been brought together, because already there are so many similarities that we can say, yes, we've been completely different sides of the world, but we've had a very similar role. And I can, I did my degree in English, and I did psychoanalysis of fairy tales. That was my dissertation. That's what I did. So everything you're saying, when you said about folklore, I'm thinking, yes, bang, it's exactly the same. I can see exactly where the similarities are. And I, yes, like my degree is in English. I can write. I can say a reasoned argument. And I self-taught all the computer stuff. And when I first set up my first company and where I had other people, I set up all the LAN networks, all the emails and everything and set all the computers up because no one else knew how to do it. It's that empowering thing that women can do it. But a lot of the time people don't. I, I think I get the impression we're, we're very similar in that if someone says, can you do something? I say yes, whether I can or not. And then I revise like mad overnight. So the next day I see them. I know how to do it. And most of my stuff is self-taught. And then I've got years of experience on top of it. Yeah, that's that's the key. That's right. You, you, <laughs> you know, those busy evenings and you, and, you, and you can't turn off your brain. And, you know, and it just keeps going. It's two in the morning. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot that part. <laughs> yes. Oh, goodness. I tell you. It, it, I can remember doing that even as a young girl. Uh, oh, gosh, I must have been about 10, and I, I just couldn't put down my homework. Everybody else in the house was fast asleep. I got up. I go over to the desk. I start writing, 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 writing. I didn't want to turn on much of the light and wake everybody up so they would know what I was doing. And I come back, and I just leap over to the bed. And I missed, and I fell flat on my face. <laughs> Sound familiar? Yes. Oh, yes. I, I even do it now. I'll, oh. I'll have an idea, and I think, right, I'm going to go to sleep, and then, ping, that's it, I'm wide awake. So I know. I'm sad. I sit with my devices. I have my devices in bed, and I think sometimes I think, no, I cannot switch off. Don't try and sleep now wake up start to make those notes otherwise come the morning you'll have forgotten all these fantastic ideas that are whizzing around in your head exactly, exactly. Do that. <laughs> <Right> down now <laughs> so i've learned to always keep a pad of paper and pen and pen next to the bed yeah right because um the, the office is down the hall and um, i may not want to get out of bed but i have to record it immediately and that means too that and i'm sure you do this you make lists of everything you have to do and you cross it off you make a new list you cross it off again and again and again and i joke you know that when it's my time and they bury me and they put up the the, the um the cemetery uh, gravestone you know something will be crossed off <laughs> oh, wait a minute <laughs> 
But isn't it therapeutic when you can get through the day? I get more done if I have a list that I'm ticking off than if I just start the day and I start doing things and I haven't got a list that I'm following. And that sense of achievement, even if you don't finish that list at the end of the day, the amount you can see that you've ticked off really helps you put into place exactly the work you've done. Absolutely, it does. And, and many times I keep the lists. I have file cabinets just to make sure that I did X, Y, and Z and when I did it. One of the things that, that um, my, my family has taught me is that the value right, of keeping things. Now, I, I'm not a hoarder where I keep everything and it's like some sort of dysfunctional person. Um, but the to have kept my diaries, my work, to have kept my dad's, my mother's, then I discovered that I've got papers that go back many, many more generations. Yeah. It, to give, give you an idea of where you stand in a line of people who care who have done things and you realize that your inclinations to do X, Y, and Z don't come out of the blue, even if you didn't talk about it or you didn't recognize it. So one day I, uh, I got a, a message uh, from some people in Bermuda where my family had uh, kind of uh, immigrated, I guess you'd say, uh, back around 1900. And um, the message was, uh, we understand that you are uh, the a member of the only Jewish family to have lived on the island for four generations. And that your great-grandfather and grandfather built the first little mini shopping mall on the island. And your grandfather was one of the very first professional realtors. Would you like to write about this? And, uh, and so we have it in our archives. So I started to do a little more research. I found all kinds of funny little things Oh, letters written, a poem written about my grandfather as, as a, an auctioneer during World War II. And I put it together, and uh, the, he's now called one of the founding 400 of Bermuda. Oh, wow. The founding 400. And you, I realize my role in all of this is more than just a fund loving granddaughter oh no uh, this is this is my way of making history and what i tell people is you are probably making history even as you just make your day and you don't realize it but you are so the, this idea of of making history and it may be that I, i'm my background lends itself more to it than many people's backgrounds. But I recognize, you know, the responsibility that had been handed down. My grandfather 
was the first person to hire a black woman in the front office of in the island, the very first. And the more I think about it, the more I'm enchanted by it. And it was maybe 20 years ago, I went, or 30 even, I went back to Bermuda and I had dinner with that woman. Oh, wow. Yes, you know, I called her up and I said, um, I don't know if you remember, I'm Deborah Levine, Meyer Malloy's granddaughter, and I wondered if I could take you out to lunch. And you know what she said? Dabby, is that you? <laughs> Dabby. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay, let's do it. And I got to, as adults, you know, what an amazing experience people can have when they realize the value of a simple relationship, uh, uh, an action, uh, and how you can play it out over years. And then I pass it on to my daughter. And the women I call are like the glue of society. We hold it together. And that's why I do so much with women. And I created something called the Women's Council on Diversity. Right? And I wanted them to lead our small city in the path of inclusion and equity and understanding of diverse cultures. And it was not just a responsibility, a privilege, and a legacy that I've I've left for the city, but it was a joy. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, this is wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful. There are so many gems that you are sharing. In fact, I'm looking at the time. I am going to have to ask you back time and time and time again because I'm learning so much from you. The listeners will learn so much. You have such a wonderful story. If I ask you now, will you come back as a regular guest, please? Sure. You have got so much to share and that we can learn from. And it's just everything you describe is just full of wonder and when you talk like just simply writing the books people will think oh yes you just researched that you you put excitement into that you make it like a fairy tale and magical even just to start and that's before the story is shared so you get the excitement and you get what I've been taught is almost narrative greed, where you, you're getting that reader that they want to read more. Even before the book is printed, I, I want to read everything that you've written now. I just I'm so enthralled by your message. It's just wonderful. It really is. Thank you so much. I'm delighted that we've had this time to get to know each other and I'm looking forward to what happens next. How wonderful. Yeah. Let me know all the, if there are comments or questions, it'll be wonderful. 
most definitely. Now, can I ask you, Deborah, is there, if there's one thing you were going to say to any young woman that is looking to start their career, what advice would you give them? You are creating something. Creativity comes from deep within. Nurture it, value it, and do not give up. Oh, that is perfection. That really is. It sums up so much. And I think if everyone can live their life in that way, they'll not be found wanting in anything because they've actually got that laid out. They know what they're going to do. They've got that blueprint that they're going to follow to create masterpieces and magic and loads of wonderful special things. And a beautiful story that will inspire someone else. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. What I'm going to do, I'm going to draw this interview to a close. I feel I could. It's a pity because I've got quite a few back-to-back interviews. I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Because (laughs) your message, your story is so inspirational. So it just leaves me to say a massive, massive thank you. And to say to the listeners, whenever whenever I put my episodes up, I put links to all the ways that people can reach out and connect with you because I'm sure that everyone else listening to your message is going to want to connect with you and learn more because you are so inspirational. Well, thank you very much. I look forward to it. Uh, I have been blessed. It's true, but also burdened as we all have. And one last comment, the best is yet to come. Oh, I love that. And it is, it is, I mean, just the interest from this project and series of interviews. If we revisit it in a year's time, can you imagine what we could have achieved? Just literally from making these connections and seeing where people want to go with it. And that's just one year and you build on that and build on that. Yeah. All right. Well, onward and upward. Most definitely, most definitely. (laughs) And I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to you, Deborah. And I can't wait until I can book you and actually share more of your message and learn more about you because you are, you are a truly inspirational lady. You really are. Thank you. I am deeply honoured. Thank you. Talk to you soon again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the content shared. Please share with others who would like to enjoy these interviews and discussions. If you would like to support the podcast, please follow the link in the episode description. If you want to be a guest on the show, reach out and let's discuss next steps. Until the next time, enjoy your listening.